Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with a bottomless pit as we pick up in Revelation chapter 9, verse 1. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. The translation bottomless pit is a correct translation of this word abuso. And it is a probably right in the heart or the center of the earth. Because right in the center of the earth, you would be constantly falling. There'd be no end to the fall. You see, because as the earth is rotating, you'd be constantly in a state of, of falling. Bottomless pit then. Because there would be, you'd never get to the bottom of the thing. You'd be in the middle as it's always turning around you. So you're continually following, but you're, you're right there in the heart of it. We do know that Hades is in the heart of the earth. And so this is probably one of the compartments of Hades. This particular compartment is where God incarcerates demonic spirits. It's where the Antichrist has been incarcerated. It is where Satan shall be incarcerated for a thousand years. It is where demons are presently incarcerated but are going to be released upon the earth during this period of time. It is a place where the demons will later on be incarcerated when Jesus came to Gadara and there was that man who was filled with devils, demons. And Jesus said, what is your name? And they said, Legion, because there were many. And they said, don't send us to the abuso, to the pit before our time. Let us be free for a while longer. Now they knew that their time was coming when they were be, would be consigned to the abuso, the place a compartment in Hades, as there is another compartment called Tartarus, a compartment in Hades, this one for fallen angels or fallen spirits, uh, demonic spirits, whereas Hades itself are for, uh, is for the rebellious man. And so he sees the fallen star from heaven, who no doubt is Satan, He has the key to the abuso, and he opened the abuso, the bottomless pit. And there arose a smoke out of the pit as the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. And so somewhere upon the earth there is probably a fissure of some kind that goes down to the heart of the earth that shall be opened. And as it is, like a furnace, this smoke is going to ascend from the heart of the earth, darkening the skies. As the skies were darkened after the eruption of Karatoa and after the eruption of Mount St. Helens, Karkatoa. And there came out of the smoke creatures, demonic creatures. They, as John sees them, because they they swarm in great clouds, they are like locusts 
in that they, they cover the, the skies and the skies become dark. And of course, in that part of the world, they have plagues of locusts that actually so many millions of them that it turns the skies dark as they invade an area. And so these are like a locust plague. And to them was given power as scorpions of the earth have power. And they were commanded that they should not hurt the grass of the earth. And of course, that's the natural food of the, of the locusts. Neither any green thing, neither any tree, the, the general uh, diet of the locusts, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their forehead. So at this point, God is going to start separating those that have his seal in their foreheads from those who do not. Even as God made a separation in the plagues in Egypt and there was darkness in Egypt, but in Israel there was not darkness. Frogs in Egypt, but among the camp of the Israelites there weren't frogs. Frogs in their beds, frogs in their kneading troughs and so forth. Where they would knead their dough and frogs... You know, just everywhere frogs, except in the area of Israel. God made a separation, a difference, so he will again. And to them was given that they should not kill the people, but that they should be tormented for five months. And their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. Over there in the Middle East, the and of course, upon the earth, there are several varieties of scorpions. But there in the Middle East, the scorpion that is over there has a sting which is purported to be the worst pain of any sting possible. And these locusts have power to inflict this kind of a stinging torment like scorpions for a period of five months. And in those days, Shall men seek death? The torment being so fierce, men will seek death and shall not find it. Shall desire to die and death shall flee from them. So an interesting period when death takes a holiday for five months. Now death is an interesting phenomenon. It's something we don't fully understand, all of the, the real mechanics of it. What does happen when, when the spirit of man leaves his body, we say, well, it's death. You know, they have the EEG probes all connected and they watch the little uh, monitor and they watch the brainwave activity as it flutters there on the monitor and shows across the screen. But then when the line goes flat, they, they'll monitor it usually for 24 hours and then they'll pull the plug. And when the oxygen is no longer being provided, if there is any, any life at all, the brain will start searching for oxygen and you'll see a little flutter on the screen again, so they plug it back in. But if there's no flutter, the line stays flat, you say, well, he's dead. Spirit's gone. Soul is gone. Consciousness is gone. He's dead. What releases the consciousness? What releases the spirit of man from his body? We see people who can live for years in comas. 
The spirit doesn't leave, yet their body is there, and, and yet they, they haven't the capacity of, of doing it. They're just in a comatose state. Why hasn't the spirit left? What keeps the spirit there? We don't really know for sure. Jesus on the cross dismissed his spirit. He said, no man takes my life from me. I give my life. I have the power to give it, and I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it up again. No man takes my life from me. And on the cross, it said he bowed his head and dismissed his spirit. Gave up his spirit. He just bowed his head and said, okay, you can go. Now, he had the power to do that. There will come a time when your spirit will refuse to leave your body. And this could be an, one of the most awesome, horrible periods of history. Imagine a person taking a 45 and putting it to his skull and pulling the trigger and blowing the back side of his head off and his brains all over the room. And yet he not dying. The spirit not leaving. And he goes around with this hole in his head but he keeps on living. The spirit won't leave. That could be horrible. You see, the real me is spirit. The body is the instrument that God has given to me whereby I can express myself, but the body is the medium of expression for me. But the real me is spirit. The real me is not the body. The real me is spirit. Through the body, my spirit can express itself. And that's what God has designed. He has designed the body as the medium by which I can express myself to others and I can relate to others and they can relate to me. It's the medium by which we come to know each other, we come to appreciate and love each other. This medium of our bodies by which our spirits express themselves to each other. Now, generally... When through age, accident, illness, disease, or whatever, generally when the body can no longer fulfill the functions for which God purposed, when the body can no longer really express me, when the body gives me more pain and suffering than joy and pleasure, or when the body is so weakened that it can't really express me anymore, then God releases my spirit from this body. And my spirit then moves into my new body, the building of God not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. But here's going to come a time when God's not going to release spirits for five months. And people will actually seek to die, perhaps mutilate their bodies, and under normal circumstances, their spirit would have left. But God's going to let them go on in that condition for five months. As I say, it'll probably be one of the most horrible periods in the history of the world when for five months people can't die. Death is a blessing to the child of God. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Hey, it's a blessing for the child of God. I don't want to go on you know, living in this body after it can no longer fulfill the functions for which God purposed and designed. You know, I don't want to just lie in a bed just staring at the ceiling and, 
needles and intravenous into me and oxygen and, and people come in and look at me like I just, uh, you know, and, and have to be there month after month and year after year and, and you know, for 50, 100, 200 years, you just lie in there, you know, and staring at the sky and can't say anything or do anything. That would be horrible. That would be hell. Death is a blessing. When this old body gets to the place that it can't function anymore, then God's going to release my spirit from it, and that's going to be a blessing, not a curse. It would only be a curse if I weren't a child of God, because then of how much sore punishment suppose ye he to be thought worthy who hath counted the blood of his covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despite to the spirit of grace. For we know him who has said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. Fearful thing to fall in the hands of a living God. So death takes a holiday. People are tormented. Now, John is taken by the Spirit to a day in the future in which he sees things that he does not understand. He can only describe them in the language that he knows. Imagine a prophet being taken, say, into the midst of a battle in World War II, a prophet, say, you know, uh, in, in John's day, taken by the Spirit, out into the future, dropped into the middle of a battle in World War II. He sees tanks and artillery, and he sees the plane jets coming in, dropping their bombs and all. How in the world would you describe that? when you don't know what a plane is, when you don't know what a tank is, when you don't know what ammunition is or explosives are, and, you know, how would you describe what you were saying? You'd be limited to your vocabulary in the language of, of, of your day and the things that you saw. So John now does his best to describe what he is seeing, but, you know, if you're looking at demonic beings, again, you, you're going to have to use language that is representative, but it falls short of a full and complete description. So he tries to de describe them somewhat. The shapes of the locusts were like horses that are prepared to battle. And on their heads, it was like crowns of gold. And their faces were like the faces of men. And they had hair like the hair of women. Sounds like some hippies, doesn't it? <laughs> and their teeth were as the teeth of lions. And they had breastplates as they were breastplates of iron. And the sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots of many horses running to battle. Hey, you're doing pretty good, John. You know, if you were trying to describe a, a dive bomber coming in, you know, and the, the roar from the wings and all, like many chariots running into battle and all. Who knows what he is actually seeing, you know. He describes as he can with the language that's available to him. And they had tails like unto scorpions. There were stings in their tails. They had power to hurt men for five months. And they had a king over them which is the angel of the bottomless pit, or this fallen star. And his name in the Hebrew is Abaddon, 
But in the Greek, it's Apollyon. And the words mean destroyer. So another name for Satan, the destroyer. And oh, what a destroyer he is. Look at this world. Look at men who have been destroyed by the power of Satan. Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth. Hey, one now has passed. But there are two more to come. The sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, this altar of which the mercy seat was a model. And they said to the sixth angel, which had the trumpet, loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates. And the four angels were loosed, which were prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year to slay a third part of men. These fallen creatures, satanic angels, so fierce, so awesomely fierce, that God has kept them incarcerated during these six millennia of man's history. But in one hour, he's going to release them. They've been held back for this one hour in which they enter the world to accomplish their mission. They are prepared for an hour of this particular day, of this month, of this year, to slay a third part of men. Now, in the first four horses of the apocalypse, the first four seals, one quarter of the earth's population is destroyed. And now by this, by these fierce angels loosed out of the river Euphrates, another third of the earth's population to be destroyed. And the number of the army of the horsemen were 200,000,000 or 200 million, and I heard the number of them. And thus I saw the horses in the vision, and those that were sitting on them, they had breastplates of fire and of janketh, janketh, and brimstone, and the heads of the horses were as the heads of lions. And out of their mouths issued fire and smoke and brimstone. And by these three was the third part of men killed, by the fire, by the smoke, and by the brimstone, which issued out of their mouths. And their power is in their mouth and in their tails, for their tails were like serpents, and they had heads, and with them they do hurt. And the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues yet repented not of the works of their hands, that they should not worship devils and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and of wood which can neither see nor hear nor walk. Neither repented they of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornication, nor of their thefts. And so the judgments of God do not really bring men to repentance. Man hardens his heart against the judgments of God. Paul said, don't you realize it's the goodness of God that brings a man to repentance? That is why I seek in my messages to preach of the goodness of God and emphasize the grace of God. It's the goodness of God that brings man to repentance. I do talk about the judgments of God that are going to come because I would be derelict in my responsibilities if I did not 
because that is a, a fact that must be faced. However, I do not like to make that an emphasis of my ministry, and I don't. Because the judgments of God are only going to harden the hearts of men, and they fail to repent of all of their evil, which they do, even in the midst of this horrible period of judgment. They continue their worship of Satan and the representations in the idols. Two woes are past. The third woe is yet to happen. The seventh trumpet from which will come the seven vials, the last final plagues. But in the meantime, we're going to have a little interesting digression. Chapter 10, we're going to have a little digression into the glorious return of Jesus Christ. Chapter 11, we're going to be introduced to the two witnesses and to their ministries. Chapter 12, will be introduced to several different personages. The woman representing Israel, Satan, the great dragon, and the war between the woman and Satan. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Revelation on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Revelation 9 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of The Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you and watch over and keep you in His love. May you experience the touch of God upon your life, his strength, his help, his guidance, his wisdom. Give the week over to the Lord. Acknowledge him in all things, that he might direct your path in his way of righteousness as you live a life of his This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Gather the kids together because the Word for Today would like to present a kid's book by Pastor Chuck called The Story of the Resurrection of Jesus. Each book contains an audio CD of Pastor Chuck reading this story, featuring the voice talents of Skip Heidsick. But I will come back again on the third day. Greg Laurie. It's Jesus. Hi, Peter. 
Raul Reese. See, it's really Jesus. Yeah. Cheryl Broderson. The stone was rolled away. The tomb is empty. And so many more. It's never too early to start reading to your children timeless biblical stories taught by Pastor Chuck. To order your copy, call the word for today at 800-272-WORD. Or to see a sneak preview, visit us online at thewordfortoday.org where you can order this book in print or as a digital download. Again, the number to call is 800-272-9673.